you shall make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold and you shall and here here it is he's talking about the placing of this golden altar of incense and you shall put it before the veal put it before the veal that is before the ark of the testimony before the mercy seat that is over the testimony where I will meet with you um, verse 7 Aaron shall burn on it sweet incense every morning when he tends the lamps he shall burn incense on it and when Aaron lights the lamps at twilight, he shall burn incense on it, a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. So, instructions were to put the altar of incense before the veal. Let's go to Exodus 41 through 5. And it uh, just reemphasizes the point. Uh, then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, on the first day of the first month, you shall set up the tabernacle of the tent of meeting. You shall put in it the ark of the testimony and partition off the ark with the veil. Veil. You shall bring it in the ta you shall bring in the table and arrange the things that are to be set set in order on it. And you shall bring in the lampstand and light its lamp. You shall also set the altar of gold for the incense before the ark of the testimony and put up the screen door of the tabernacle. So we see it again. Okay, now let's go to some of these commentary notes. Um, back on page one, got several different, uh, well, two, at least two different ones. No, three. Three, and they pretty much all say the same thing, so I don't wanna read them all, but you can read them on your, your, all of them on your own time, but let's just go with the first one because it seems to be the shortest. Well, we got one from uh, the Wordsbury Bible Commentary, one from the Jewish New Testament Commentary, and one from uh, uh, the H.A. Ironside Commentary. So let's check out the first one. It's the, it's the first paragraph under uh, Hebrews 9, 1 through 5 on the notes, page 1. So it says, the golden altar did not stand in the Holy of Holies, but its ministry pertained to the Holy of Holies. In what way? On the annual day of atonement, the high priest used coals from this altar to burn incense before the mercy seat within the veil. That's Leviticus 16, 12 through 14. Moses related the golden altar to the Ark of the Covenant and so did the author of 1 Kings. Each morning and evening, a priest burned incense on this altar. David suggested it as a picture of prayer ascending to God, Psalms 141.2. And it can also be a reminder that Jesus Christ intercedes for us. All right. And actually, I, want, I do want to read uh, on the top of page two, the H.A. Ironside, uh, his comments on it. So... He says, had the author forgotten that this altar stood immediately before the veil? Or was there some divine reason for omitting mention of it in this connection? And he says, now observe carefully the change from the expression wherein to the altogether different term which had. But why did the writer not say it was in the holy place? Oh, let me just read that again. But why did the writer not say it was in the holy place? Why does he plainly connect it with the holiest? The answer is perfectly simple. 
It belonged to the holiest because it typifies Christ's person and intercessory work in the holiest of all. But during all the Old Testament dispensation, it must stand outside the veil where it could be approached by the priest and yet so near the veil that the moment that this curtain was rent in, <laughs> this is, is rent in twain, <laughs> rent in two, rent in two from the top to the bottom, the fragrant smoke of the incense entered the holiest. I love that picture. Um, you know, when Jesus died on the cross, we know from Matthew that the veil was torn. And uh, just picturing that incense that was had been offered and just because it, it would rise and uh, but just now going straight directly into the holy place. Um, the apostle does not the apostle does not say it was in the holiest, but he does declare it belonged to the holiest, which had the golden incense altar. So then, the apparent imperfection is really a most beautiful evidence of the perfection of the holy writ. And one thing prior to studying this out, I didn't, I didn't know. Like I knew it was somewhat familiar with the tabernacle, with the holy place and the holiest of holies, especially the holiest of holies, knowing that's where the Ark of the Covenant was, knowing that's where the high priest could only go once a year on the Day of Atonement, knowing that in the in the holy place, knowing that there was the golden lampstand that they had to um, trim and, and uh, keep uh, keep lit. Um, morning and evening, and knowing that there was the table for the showbread. Um, but I, I never, um, and also knowing that there was an altar in there too, but I never associated the altar of incense with the holiest place, with the holy of holies. And um, I, I don't know if, if the, just at first glance, just going over these notes, you can make the connection. But um, uh, if, you, if you read all the commentary notes, I, I believe you, you if it's not connecting, it will connect. But uh, again, just I'd never known that that this altar of incense, which in the, the the incense in the Bible symbolizes prayer, was specifically placed in front of the veil before the Ark of the Covenant. And so, even when the minister, the high priest, was to go and offer the incense on the altar, he was facing the Ark of the Covenant. And all that to say is what the author was doing. He didn't make a mistake in his placing of the altar, but he was making the connection that the altar of incense has to do with the Holy of Holies. Um, and one of the reasons is on the Day of Atonement, he took incense, coals from the incense altar and brought uh, incense in there and, and, and uh, the incense would rise in the, in the veal, within the veal and so that, or else, the, or else he would have died, so it would cover the mercy seat. And so, um, for me, I just found it fascinating. I'm like, wow, I've never, that's what's awesome about doing like Bible studies. Like you learn stuff you didn't know before, right? And you just, uh, you're able to, to um, get a better understanding. Um, so, so I just wanna focus on, on, uh, on this topic, on this topic called of, of the incense altar and incense and prayer because the other fascinating thing was, or is, is that like David caught this, like as far as like this incense that was being offered, it being uh, being prayer, rising to the Lord, uh, rising up, and how it's it's a fragrant aroma. And, and what I'm hoping is that what we can take away from this is that to encourage us to in our prayers, to encourage us to pray, 
that like our prayers are like sweet incense before the Lord. Like, I don't know. Like, it, it's, it's crazy. It, would encourage me to, it encourages me to pray. I'm like, wow, even like this, this weak little prayer is like, like a fragrant aroma to the Lord, like such pleasing and acceptable. It's, it's absolutely amazing. And it amazes me that, like, that, that David in Psalm 141, um, it's on page three. It says, he says, let my prayer be set before you as incense, the lifting up my hand as the evening sacrifice. So it's like, at least he's the only one, like, at least where it's recorded, where he made that connection of this incense that's being offered in the, in the, um, in the holy place before the ark was, was symbolic of prayer arising to the Lord. So let's, let's look at this a little bit more. Going on page two, let's check out some of the commentary notes. Under Exodus 30. We'll go with the first one. In Hebrews 9, 3 through 4, the altar of incense is, is considered part of the most holy place, or the holiest of holies. Apparently, this was because on the Day of Atonement, the high priest took incense from this altar into the most holy place. And I'm going to jump. Let's just jump. I'm going to come back to this, but just jump to page three on the notes. Leviticus 16, 11 through 13. Because uh, it just shows you how serious this was that the high priest had to do this. It says, and Aaron shall bring... And this is talking about the Day of Atonement. And Aaron shall bring the bull of the sin offering, which is for himself, and make atonement for himself and for his house, and shall kill the bull as the sin offering, which is for himself. Then he shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire from the altar before the Lord, that's the altar of incense, with his hands full of, I love this, with his hands full of sweet incense, beaten fine, and bring it inside the veil. And he shall put the incense on the fire before the Lord. It's just smoke would rise and, and fill the holy, the holy, the holiest of holies. Um, that the cloud of incense may cover the mercy seat that is on the testimony, lest he die. <laughs> That's crazy. That God wasn't playing around in the Old Testament. Well, he's not playing around today either, but you guys know what I mean. <laughs> the, the cloud had to had to fill the, the holiest place, lest he die if it didn't come into the mercy seat. Okay. Going back to page two, the second um, paragraph of commentary notes. On it, on the incense altar, Aaron was to offer incense twice daily. It says the incense fittingly symbolizes prayer which like ascending sweet aromas, wait, let me read that again. The incense fittingly symbolizes prayer, which like ascending sweet aromas acceptably to heaven. 
The incense altar pictures Christ as the believer's intercessor, through whom the believer's prayer and praise rise up to God. That's the, the New Unger's Bible handbook. Um, let's go with the next one. In Hebrews 9, we find a strange thing. The altar of incense is placed in the Holy of Holies. It looks like it. It looks as if the writer of Hebrews didn't know where it belonged. Why did he locate it in the holiest of holies rather than in the holy place as it is in Exodus? Because when he wrote, the view had been written too. Christ had offered himself down here. His flesh had been rent and he died upon the cross, but he ascended back to heaven. And the altar of incense is in heaven today. And that's uh, that was J. Berman McGee. So we're we getting the picture here. <laughs> that, you guys know that Matt Redman song? The prayers of the saints are like sweet smelling incense. I am not, I won't sing. I am, there's a mic in front of me, but I won't sing, I promise. <laughs> but I love it because like, like I said, David's the one who caught it. He caught the, the, the symbolism. Maybe Moses and Aaron understood it too, but it's not, we don't know for sure. They didn't write it down. Like, like David penned it in a song. Let my prayer be set before you as incense. The lifting of my hand as the evening sacrifice. And, and then let's look at Numbers, page three, Numbers 16. 46 through 48. It's another picture of, of incense and intercession. And the backstory to to number 16 is that there's a rebellion that took place. Um, some people got together and they didn't think Moses and Aaron were the only ones that could be close to God as far as ministry and ministering to him. And it was Korah and a couple other guys and they led a bunch of people astray and they rebelled. And there was kind of like this showdown of like <laughs> who were the true ministers of God and who, who was allowed to come near God and who wasn't. This is kind of like my paraphrase of it. And uh, anyways, God's judgment broke out on the rebels <laughs> um, and on those uh, who were opposing Moses and Aaron. Uh, it's, the, it's the story where the earth actually opened up and swallowed Korah and his family and the other two guys and their families and they covered back up. The earth covered back up over them. I literally swallowed them alive. And then a fight, there's also fire that broke out on 250 people that were trying to offer incense. And then not only that, there was a, a plague began to break out amongst the whole congregation. And Aaron and Moses were interceding for the, um, that's what's so awesome about Moses and Aaron that, um, is their intercession for the people that would straight up would, were rebelling against them, who had issues with them. Um, God wanted to destroy them, and like they would fall on their faces and intercede on behalf of the people. It's such humility. So, so anyway, so the earth had already swallowed up um, the three families. Fire had broke out and, and, and killed 250 people.
people who uh, had made um, or who had censers and incense on it. And then a plague was beginning to break out amongst the congregation. And then Aaron and Moses are on their face crying out. And then Moses goes, and then we here we go into the scripture, Numbers 16, 46 through 48. So Moses said to Aaron, take a censer and put fire in it from the altar. Put incense on it and take it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them. For wrath has gone out from the Lord. The plague has begun. Then Aaron took it as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the assembly. And already the plague had begun among the people. So he put in the incense and made atonement for the people. And this is my favorite part of this, uh, this set of uh, scriptures. Or set, I'm sorry, uh, my favorite part of these two verses. And he stood between the dead and the living. So the plague was stopped. And we'll read 47 and 48 again. Then Aaron took it as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the assembly. And already the plague had begun among the people. So he put in the incense. Remember, incense is symbolic of prayer, intercession. And made atonement for the people. And he stood between the dead and the living. So the plague was stopped. Just such a powerful picture of, of intercession. And here's the commentary notes. Since incense was symbolic of prayer, Exodus 38, Psalm 141.2, Luke 1.10, Revelation 5.8, Revelation 83-4, Aaron, in effect, was appearing among the people to intercede in prayer for them. It must have been clear to all that one censer in the hand of a man of God far excelled 250 in the hands of in the hands of that many sinners. So, page four. I'm just going to read the verse. And probably just head to Luke, the next scripture. Although it, we're just just remember, incense is symbolic of prayer. Malachi one eleven, from the rising of the sun, even to its going down, that's night and day, and around the world, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. In every place, incense shall be offered to my name and a pure offering. For my name shall be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. And we're absolutely, we haven't even seen the full, full expression of it yet, but we're absolutely living in the times where like this verse is being fulfilled. And like if you're part of East Bay Prayer Freddy's, you're a part of this you know, part of that happening. Talking about night and day, worship and prayer. Talking about the prayer movement, which is increasing and will increase and continue to increase until Jesus returns. 
So we'll go into, let's look at Luke 1, 5 through 13. Because here's enough, here we go to the New Testament now. And the New Testament makes the connection with the offering of incense on the incense altar in prayer, which is to me absolutely fascinating. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. I'm going to read that again. According to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. Verse 10. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And we know that's John the Baptist. And studying that out a little bit, I learned that this was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for Zacharias to serve at the altar of incense because there was so, uh, I guess from what I understand, so many within the priesthood that his, that the opportunity to do this was a, was a once in a lifetime event. So if you look under the first commentary notes, it says the priest on duty drew lots to see which ministries they would perform. And Zacharias was chosen to offer incense in the holy place. This was a high honor that was permitted to a priest, but once in a lifetime. The incense was offered daily before the morning sacrifice and after the evening sacrifice. About three o'clock in the afternoon, it was probably the evening offering that was assigned to Zacharias. And so I'm, I was just thinking like, if I was Zacharias and this is a once in a lifetime opportunity and I get to offer incense on the very thing which symbolizes prayer, like, I'm sure he already prayed so many times for a child. Like, I believe right then and there, he prayed for a son. And then Angel Gabriel shows up. <laughs> Bam, you know? <laughs> like, he probably prayed like a million times for a son prior to this. But you get the one opportunity to stand before the altar, to stand before the arcs, arcs covered with the veil. What are you going to pray? And <laughs> what are you going to say? You know? And he was, you know, says they were well advanced in years, but of course he knows the story of Abraham and Sarah. He knows it's not impossible with God. He offers up his prayer. Gabriel shows up. Like, that is just ama amazing, more than amazing, staggering. And then I like what uh, J. Vernon McGee says because, you know, I've always learned that, you know, God broke the 400 years of silence prophetic silence um, 
through John the Baptist, you know, Zechariah's son. But uh, I like what he says, and I'll read it. It says, Dr. Luke opens the New Testament chronologically with Zechariah at the altar of incense. Even that right there is awesome. Dr. Luke opens the New Testament chronologically with Zacharias at the altar of incense, the altar of prayer. In other words, God broke his silence of 400 years at the altar of incense, at the altar of prayer, by giving a message to Zacharias there. <laughs> right, yeah. <sighs> Chapter of something about chapter Daniel, chapter eight, and then the he has this vision. He asks the Lord, "What does this mean?" And angels come to tell him what it means. Oh. One of them is Gabriel, okay. yeah. and that's the last time that Gabriel talks until this, I think. Oh, and yeah. sitting there, kind of going oh, away yeah. from him. I don't think he showed up between twenty-five hundred years before the Lord and and this time when, when he said, "Daniel, I." Chills in my back. <laughs> Daniel, this is what that dream means. And now he shows up in John where the incense is there, the prayers are there, and the veil is about to be torn 30 years later. Wow. It's really kind of wild. Wow. Yeah, this is really, really helping me. Oh, praise <laughs> the Lord. This is good. I'm like, good stuff. I was like, I know this is, we're not covering, we're kind of like, it's the, this is not just a bunny trail. It's, it's, where I felt like led to go tonight. I know it's not covering the whole of Hebrews nine, but it's an important part of Hebrews nine and and uh, an important part of what we're a part of as a community, a community of a of prayer, praying people. And, I, and that is an awesome point that that you make, Dan. It's like, yeah, I don't think, yeah. yeah this is the first time Gabriel speaks as far as in regards in, at least as we know in the word of God um, since the book of Daniel which is, that's crazy Incense was going up. Like he became right the offering, like he became the sacrifice. Wow. For the veil to tear right there at three o'clock. He was the evening sacrifice, sacrifice, you know? Absolutely. I don't know. Three o'clock is just really interesting because I would have thought the evening sacrifice, if I didn't know, I would think, oh, it's probably later in the day, you know, like yeah. when the sun goes down or something. Right. But this yeah. commentary says it happened at three o'clock in the afternoon. It's so interesting. interesting. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it, yeah, it makes sense. Like, it, just as you're as you're saying, because yeah, the, they, the sacrifice was had been offered. He died, and then also the incense is being offered at the same time. Yeah. And I think that's why Jay Vernon McGee says like when that when the veil was torn in two, that all that the incense was went into the holy place. Wow. And it's a. And this is good. I was hoping this 
these kind of conversations would take place from this because I felt like there would be uh, more that would be added added to uh, added to added to the time at this time of, of, of teaching. So, where else in the New Testament is incense as prayers mentioned? So we see the picture in Luke. Zacharias out the altar. People are outside praying. I'm all, and I searched and I searched and I maybe somebody else can help me find it. But I'm like, well, how did the people know? Like at some point in their history, in the Jew, part of their tradition, they understood that the hour of incense, at the time of the incense being offered, that that's the time of prayer. That that was this picture. I don't know if they, I wonder if they got it from David in Psalm 141 when he talked about that. But uh, I'm just, I wanted, I'd love to know more about that the history but but regardless either way the, the picture is, is absolutely clear so now we have to look at uh, the last book of the Bible Revelation chapter 5 verses 7 through 10 and it starts on page 4 and then goes on to page 5 of the notes. So this is talking about Jesus. <laughs> then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 204 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and you have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Commentary notes. Here, the incense is the prayers of the saints. In Psalm 141.2, incense symbolizes prayer, also Luke 1.10, and that is the connotation here and in Revelation 8.3-4. says, uh, there's probably a connection between these prayers and the prayers of uh, Revelation chapter 6, 9-11. That's, that's the... Uh, souls of the martyrs crying out for justice and uh, 8 3 through 4 the prayers are not only worship but probably also petitions brought before God by the martyred saints for vindication and justice and this is the part I like the most about these this part about this part of the commentary notes the outpouring of the trumpet judgments chapters 8 through 9 of Revelation is God's response to these prayers. The outpouring of the trumpet judgments of Revelation chapter 8 and 9 is God's response to these prayers. And that's specifically referring to um, Revelation 8, 3 through 5. And then the, the commentator says, this is startling. <laughs> The judgments of the seals, trumpets, and bowls are in part 
God's answers to the prayers of the saints. What? <laughs> this is startling. The judgments of the seals, trumpets, and bowls are in part God's answers to the prayers of the saints. And there's a reason for that. Why the saints are praying for God's judgment at this time, at that time in history. And that's because those judgments are released on the Antichrist and his army. And I won't say anything further than that, because, but, uh, but one thing to look at in your own time is just to look at what the seals, trumpets, and bowls judgments are, and then realize God's answering the prayers of his church for those judgments, it's crazy. And we have to get an understanding of that and why. So let's look at Revelation 8, 1 through 6. This is the other one that talks about the prayers of the saints being as incense. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God. And to them were given seven trumpets. Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. And this is the, the altar of incense in heaven. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints. Upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. So there's a golden altar before the throne because everything that was in the tabernacle was uh, um, was the given to Moses by God and, and Moses and the, um, it was a copy of the heavenly heavenly pattern what was already in heaven um, let me read verse 3 again he was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hands. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it to the earth. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. So the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. So let's look at the notes. Incense had a prominent place in Old Testament worship and serves as a reminder that intercessory prayer is like sweet perfume before the Lord. I mean, what a picture. Intercessory worship is like sweet perfume before the Lord. Let my prayer be set before you as sweet incense. Psalm 141. In the temple ritual, the priest poured the saucer of incense over the burning coals on the altar of incense. At the same time, the Israelites bowed in prayer as the fragrant cloud of smoke ascended heavenward. A similar connection between incense and the prayers of the saints occurs in Revelation 5.8, except, except there the incense and the prayers are one and the same. Mm 
last paragraph. One of the themes of the seals, trumpets, and bowls is the outpourings of God's judgment. Oh wait, I'm still, let me, sorry, let me read that again. One of the themes of the seals, trumpets, and bowls is that the outpouring of God's judgment is his response to the prayers of the saints. Here we see God accepting those prayers as a sweet-smelling uh, sweet savor, the meaning of the imagery of incense here. stood out to me the most when I was looking at this because I was just going over all the scriptures that had to do with incense as prayers was that in Revelation 8 1 through 6 these prayers much incense was given to this angel to offer with the prayers of the saints and the prayers were for the judgments of the Lord and the picture of these prayers um the smoke of the incense rising with these prayers is that at this time in history, these types of those types of prayers are acceptable to the Lord. Like right now, they're not acceptable. Like somebody, you know, cuts us off or does us wrong. We're not calling down God's fire, you know, and God's judgment on on uh, on someone. And for God, you know, to I think there's a psalm that has, talks about smashing somebody's teeth out or something like that. We're not praying those kinds of prayers right now. We're not supposed to. It's okay to pray for justice. But we're also praying for mercy. We're not praying for God to smite people, you know? <laughs> but there's coming a time in history before the Lord returns where those type of prayers are going to be acceptable because they're going to be coming... Be prayed again, going to be prayed um, to the Lord against the Antichrist and his army. And I know I'm getting into end time stuff here, but um, but I just love the picture how like th those prayers are, are going to be a sweet smelling incense before God, and we'll have we'll be a lot more mature in our understanding, a lot more mature as the church and as the bride of Christ. And um, in regards to and praying those prayers and, and, and what's going on, and it, everything will be a lot more clear. But uh, but just the picture of that, like judgment's prayers being acceptable to God as a sweet smelling aroma. Um, it just blew me away because personally, I've heard this before. I, I've heard this taught before, namely from, you know, Mike Bickle and Zen Times, and, uh, but I had never uh, saw it anywhere else, and then I was going through these commentaries, the uh, Baker X Ajudical Commentary on the New Testament, and the, and the other one's an exegetical commentary by Robert Thomas, and it's like, whoa, like, just hearing two other voices say the same thing, I'm like, Oh, okay. It's like, to me, it's like out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, a thing is established. I'm like, okay. Mm -hmm. Like, not, not, not that I ever would believe this about Mike Michael, but it's like, he didn't make this stuff up. Like, this is like real stuff. Like, you know? Right. And, uh, anyways, 
and so it just it was just like whoa I'm like okay like we are going to be like one of the uh, uh, a tremendous um, army of, of prayer warriors on the earth all uh, at that time and how anyways how these how our how how our prayers now and how those prayers then are going to be just this acceptable in a sweet aroma before the Lord and uh, and we get to I love how we even get to engage now in 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 in, in warfare and intercession, not in, in praying judgment, but releasing God's kingdom now. And um, yeah, just going back to the that incense altar be before the ark and its connection with the very thing that symbolized the presence of God and where He would show up on the mercy seat. And it was placed in connection, in close proximity. It wasn't associated with the holy place. It was associated with the holiest of holies. And just, um, and then how, how we can just, I think it's in Hebrews, that's later on in Hebrews, maybe 12 or 10, I can't remember, how we can approach the throne of grace. Uh, we can go to God in the place of prayer through what Jesus did, through his broken body. And I know we already talked about how when that happened, the veil was torn and there was access given to the believer, to the holy place, spiritually speaking. That closeness to God, and, and that's how we come to the Father. We know that through Jesus, through his broken body. Through his blood. So even just Jesus has a picture of intercession. It's significant too. Yeah, it's just thinking about Isaiah chapter 6. Oh. Isaiah is in this place of intercession 
where he's like, here, my Lord, send me. I'll do whatever you want. You know, so there's this abandoned soul there at the altar going, God, whatever you want. You know, send me. I'll be your messenger. And I just feel like it's such a picture of the end time messengers that he's going to raise up in the last days. You know, like we'll have this intimacy that you're talking about so mature that we will be completely abandoned like Isaiah going Lord whatever you want send me to the ends of the earth and this is so interesting I feel like it's kind of end times too because he says because he says um, you know he sends Isaiah but then he says uh, and he said go and tell this people keep on hearing but do not understand keep on seeing but do not perceive like he already knew there would be rejection of the message and that they would come under the judgment of God like he already knew I'm going to send you you know I'm gonna send this message and the message will go out the blood's gonna be on their own head you know but he already knew ahead of time there would be this resistance to the message of God you know and make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy anyways just goes on to say and then it even has then I said Lord how long and like that prayer by Isaiah is the same prayer of the martyrs under the altar. How long, Lord, until you vindicate? How long until you bring justice to the earth? It's exactly what Isaiah is praying right there at that place. Lord, how long? How long until the cities are laid waste and without an inhabitant? To the houses are without a man. The land is utterly desolate. Anyways, it just, it's like, whoa. And, um. That whole chapter seems to be a picture of exactly what we're talking about, you know, mm -hmm. and the end time church and what's going to happen. The Lord's going to have his messengers, his prophetic people, his people, you know, the martyrs and the prayers, the how long, the joining of heaven and earth together, mm -hmm. the altar of incense, the incense going up, the you know. And you just see like with incense going up in every place to Malachi 111, you see the cloud of incense like covering the whole earth like there's this mercy that's covering the whole earth you know mm -hmm. for all who would receive it you know there's mercy but for those who don't receive it they're under the judgment of God you know but there's so much mercy because he's going to raise up incense in every place so it's just the whole thing is just so powerful mm -hmm. i just add, add to that one thing I want to say it's First Chronicles chapter 26, and it's actually about King Uzziah. Oh, yeah. And how, I want to, I, I think it's the same King Uzziah from yeah, Isaiah 6. Is that the, yeah. Because so. he's, the one in First Chronicles, he started off actually really well, and then got way overconfident, mm -hmm. and actually wanted to offer incense on the, in the temple on the incense altar. And got confronted by the high priest and eighty other priests. Like, like this guy was a hot shot, you know. Like he actually started off really well and humble, and then he just got too full of himself and wanted to minister at the altar. And I forgot the name of the priest that goes and confronts him. And there was eighty other people that are with him. And I learned um, a couple years ago that eighty is the number of prayer. So anyway, so. This whole connection with this this altar of prayer that he wants to go offer incense on, and eighty priests come and to confront him and say, "You're out of bounds, man. 
I know you're the king, but you're out of bounds right now. You're not allowed to minister at this altar. And 80 being the number of prayer. And, and then anyways, uh, leprosy breaks out on his head. It's that story where leprosy broke out on his head. And, uh, and then the, he gets rushed out. <laughs> and uh, the, the way the story is told in, in Chronicles, it never says he repents. He lives alone as a leper the rest of his life. Whoa. And then Isaiah 6, in the year King Uzziah died. Yes. I saw the whole Look. <laughs> Anyways, wow. so it's crazy. <laughs> Sorry, got to get picture. excited. <laughs> I, I, there's more. There's more. There's more. Yes. It's because the, the the judgment on Korah, the judgment on Uzziah, you know, mm-hmm. like, and and the connection with Malachi one eleven. What does it say? It says, incense will be offered and a pure offering. You know, a pure wow. offering. Wow. These offerings were not a pure offering. You know. Right. Same with the 250 in the story of Korah's rebellion. Mm-hmm. There was 250. They had they had censers and incense on it, and they got like, yeah, God lit them up with fire. It was not a pure offering. offering yeah. So, it's really interesting. Well, make sure the Jitsi people are, uh, the volume is up if they wanted to talk to. Uh, oh, uh, you know, I don't know how to do it. I think the volume is Does anybody have questions or feedback on Jitsi? I don't know if the volume. Do I need to unmute them? Do I, I don't know. No, they should be. Um, I, I, I'm not. I don't know how to use these programs. It should be fine. Oh, there. Hey, yeah, if you Cheryl. guys have questions, just unmute. 